Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. What is up? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching Untold Stories, where together, twice a week, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders to truly, truly understand how this movement came to be by bringing together all those early stories and weaving all these threads to really understand where we are right now and to know where we're going in the future. Web 2, Web 3, all these different terms we're hearing all the time, Bitcoin and crypto. Today, we have an amazing guest. We were kind of chatting before the show, and it was one of those situations where I was like, no, 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 wait, I want to hit the record button because we're already telling so many good stories. Vitek Radomsky, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, man, you're the CTO of Engine. You're one of the authors of the ERC-1155 token standard. And Engine has been around since 2009, amassing over 20 million users. And what's really cool is you got, you're got you a Bitcoin OG, and the company has been around pre-Bitcoin or around the early days, and you guys were able to like, you know, completely pivot and turn your company into what uh, we're going to see as the future. That's really a crazy thing to do. Yeah, so uh, we started out a long time ago. We, I was actually building stuff with uh, the current CEO of the company for about 18 or over 18 years now. Um, so, you know, I was a teenager and we were building websites and we were building, uh, you know, things for gamers, flash intros and all that kind of stuff. And then we created a company where we started, you know, actually wanting to build uh, a real, like, scalable scalable system. Because what, what we saw is uh, people were, were into gaming. They wanted to build communities. Um, but, they, they, you know, everyone was putting together these, these kind of, you know, duct tape websites and things like that. So we created this platform called Engine back in 2009. It let people create a community. Uh, let people group together, make forums and chat and all that stuff people did back that back then. Um, and that grew like really fast because it just exploded. Uh, everyone would just, you know, create a website, slap on a theme, put all their modules together, and they, they had a whole community going. Um, but yeah, we 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 built that, we grew that to 20 million users. Um, you know, a lot of people knew us from back then. Um, but now uh in 2017, we were like, let's let's do something different. And you know, we created Engine, and and there, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, I think uh, around the whole journey. You know, the uh, you come from the Vancouver Bitcoin community, and um, a lot of the communities nowadays get are getting a lot of attention. Uh, Austin, Miami, Tampa, um, I don't really know where else, but like you know, around the world, you know, everywhere around the world. But there are a few places where, like Berlin, New York, Vancouver. Uh, San Francisco to to a small, but not until later. But some of these places where the crypto community, the Bitcoin community, really start. What was the Vancouver community like? Because so many of my friends and CEOs nowadays and companies kind of came out of the Toronto and Vancouver communities. Yeah, so I, I was it was really interesting being in the very early days because uh, I heard about Bitcoin kind of through word of mouth. You know, with the, I was part of various kind of interesting communities. You know, when you're in your twenties, you're you're exploring different things, different ideas. And I had friends in the transhumanist community. I had people interested in, you know, cryonics and people interested in, you know, all kinds of, you know, mind hacking and and, and stuff like that. And uh, one of my friends in the transhumanist community was like, hey, you should check out Bitcoin. And, you know, I downloaded Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin QT software, tried it out. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool, but it's kind of, you know, why would I want uh, free coins I from a faucet? I felt the same That's thing. Weird. Like, who cares, right? 
well, you're getting free coins from a faucet. And it's like, okay, I get these random free coins. It shows my balance at like two Bitcoin. Okay, whatever. It's, it's, it's dumb, you know. It's I'm like if I download money. the software and we, I think at, the, at that, in those years, 2009, 2010, there was like a very aggressive push to do things in browser. Like remember flash flash dude, speaking of flash, not to take your study. There's a game that I love. So I used to play as a kid, a box head, the rooms, but you could only play it on flash. And I've searched everywhere on the internet, even the internet archive.org, which maintains flash emulators. It doesn't work. I want this game. Uh, my I'm friend, so Charles Hoskinson. What? I'm so sad about Flash, by the way, because what like the fuck? there was this whole era. Like I was a huge Flash guy. I, I had I was animating like stick stick figure fights on on Flash. I was making websites on Flash. Random story, no one knows. The first ever version of Engine. We we made three iterations before we actually did it right. The first iteration of Engine was like all Flash, and then we realized, oh crap, this is probably not going to scale. So we we went into web, but like. Man, it was it was a it was a crazy time. You could everyone was doing flash stuff everywhere. We're, like engine, you know, banners, all kinds of like apps inside the inside the original CMS were all flash and they were cool that like, animated. What they, did Flash do for browsers and TCIP that like the web couldn't do before? Because kind of flash was web too for our generation. Yeah, well, it, it, like back then HTML and CSS were really janky. Yeah, and you so had janky. to like <laughs> you had to code for every random browser and all the browsers did something wrong, right? Internet Explorer was the worst of them. Um, you know, I'm talking like back in Internet Explorer 4 and 5. Those were the those were hell to, to code for. Um, so Flash gave you this unified experience across whatever platform, browser, you know, OS you were on. And you could do cool stuff with it. You could do animation. You could do programming in it. You could make cool things that that like, you know, bounced around and moved around and had physics and you know, had like you can build build whole websites and that. That was a cool time, uh, but now it's all gone. You can't you can't even use Flash anymore. It's just been wiped clean. Here's a good analogy, though. I never came from a, uh, you know, I never thought myself as wanting to be a a developer, a computer scientist, coder. Like it was so geeky and nerdy, you know, back then. But when Flash came out, I remember not even thinking twice. Just I forget. I think it was Macromedia Flash downloading Macromedia yeah. Flash you know, purchasing the trial, of course, and, and trying to teach myself flash. And I, and I, to a point, I even did a Shakespeare project for university making an animation that I made in flash. So like, I feel like that's the same analogy of today of people wanting to do NFTs, smart contracts, crypto. They never thought they were programmers. They never thought they were economists or token economists or whatever we're doing, but there's something that's like kind of pulling us all into this or pulled us all into this. I, I so agree with you. And I had the same experiences with Flash. It was like this playground. You could just do anything. You know, it was like, I wanted to make a cool physics idea. Let's do it in Flash and see what, 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 I don't have to like code a full C++ program with OpenGL and all this crap to, to, to make that happen. Yeah. So like Solidity did that. Yeah, totally for NFTs. You could just, you have a little idea. Let's, let's grab, you know, Open Zeppelin. Let's, let's, let's put it together. Oh, now I have this cool, you know, this, this cool little idea, like a hot potato NFT or something. Now I, I can test that out on the world. And people are going to put money into it. People are going to like spread it to thousands of people and the network effect is going to happen. That's, that's, that, that was really exciting in the Solidity space for sure. Like the idea of just kind of computers talking to each other and being able to do things and you being able to release. Because you remember these games on like minigames.com and New Underground and all these places. Newgrounds, yeah. Newgrounds, yeah, yeah. Newgrounds, yeah. <laughs> I was on yesterday trying to play this damn game too. I was like, Newgrounds is still around. Uh, Ebaum's World, all these places. 
but the games were written by other people, other friends in the forums in IRC. They were people like you and I. And to a point when Satoshi actually had come out with the white paper and, and was involved in the mailing lists and IRC, it was almost like he could have just been you or I. And maybe that's why so many people really took to Bitcoin in the beginning, because this wasn't invented by academics, Nobel Peace Prize or brilliant. This was maybe some guy who failed out of high school for all we know. Yeah. And, and, and it was, it was, you know, an Overall, expression, yeah. it was an expression of a, of a, of a, an idea, uh, a really powerful idea and executed through, you know, elegant, elegant code and an elegant concept. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it, it grew. It was a network effect in its most pure form, you know, uh, people trying to make money and uh, both investing in the fundamental concept and in, you know, their own future. So that, yeah, Bitcoin went crazy like that. And yeah, yeah. And here we are, like, I would say, so I would say like phase one was, was and still is because the layers kind of exist was, was Bitcoin. Phase two, you can say was, I'm not going to say Ethereum or altcoins. I'm going to say ERC-20 because other blockchains and blockchain types had existed back then. But let's just, let's just say that the type of token, the, the fungible token concept or ERC-20 as we know it today, even across all other blockchains, that was phase two. So now phase three, I was incorrectly attributing phase three to like ERC-721 standard, which is for those who who know, it's like the the modern what we kind of how where NFTs are built today. Uh, if you're buying an NFT on OpenSea or minting something, which 99.9% of, of us are doing, it's it's probably happening or being built or was minted on this standard. But what is the 1155 standard? And are there other standards? And what's what's the what's going on here? Yeah, well, um, this all started happening, you know, ERC-20s got huge. And this was all, you know, back in 2017, like it really just started exploding. And, um, you know, people started thinking about, you know, what can we do with this? Why, what are the limitations of ERC-20? I mean, ERC-20 honestly actually has like a fundamental like flaw in it. Say again? It's like the dumb token, but what it has a fundamental flaw, you were saying? There, there's some like, there's some minor code flaws in it, which make it really, if, if they added like, one function like increase approval to the standard or something that would have made it so much easier to uh, to to deal with anything uh, regarding ERC twenties. But whatever, it's it it works. It's been adopted. It's the standard now. Um, now people were starting to think about what what can we add. There was like I think there was ERC two two three. There was uh, like other kinds of fungible tokens. Um, but then this this concept of you know I was I was in that 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 space talking with a lot of Bitcoiners and a lot of people thinking about you know gaming on the blockchain. Looking at the very early gaming projects, you know, like uh, Hunter Coin and all those other, you know, various different games that were spells of Genesis and things like that, um, back in 2017, and you know, it really became clear that we needed more than just fungible tokens. Still got spells of Gen Genesis downloaded on my phone right now. Nice, nice, to go. nice. Love yeah, that. Yeah, so I mean, those all those old things they were they were trying to do stuff, but they didn't really have a standard. Um, they were just sort of like hacking it up together as they go and making you know games and i know hunter coin had like it was just like bot bots like non-stop it was just like run by the bots yeah um, you could say that those tokens only attached value but nothing else there was no value holder i was explaining to someone yesterday with with the 721 stand 
the the value of NFT is different on even who's selling it. Where mm-hmm. the ERC twenty standard, it doesn't matter who is the seller; the token speaks for itself. But in the modern days, you know, NFT that we token that we all hold, who the seller is or who the holder is, and so many other metrics or attributes or whatever are involved in that attribute to its value and like kind of like from that dumb token standard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so I mean, ERC seven twenty one definitely you know took took the the lead in terms of like general NFT adoption. I think you know again because of the simplicity. Um, just the, 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 the situation it was in, um, you know, it's, 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 it's really taken hold, but I, I, I would say ERC 1155, it's, it's what we were working on as well, uh, in, in 2017, uh, I, I, I put together a contract for, uh, games. I was like, what do we need to do in games? We need fungible tokens. We need the gems and gold and health kits and all that stuff. And we need serums and the cloaks and everything. Yeah. 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 But we also need non-fungibles because every, Every item inside of a game can evolve and be crafted and, you know, get points and, you know, things like that. Your, your gun can be upgraded and things like that. Um, so I, I put together uh, this interesting smart contract in 2017 and it, it had all, you can, it was like a vending machine. You can make any kind of token with it. You know, you can mint a non-fungible, you can mint a fungible. I was like, well, this, this is interesting. And back then when I first made that, ERC721 wasn't even standardized. There wasn't even a standard for that. Um, crypto kitties came out, came out, 721 came out. We were like, well, we have this, this standard that we're starting to push, put forward to the community. Let's standardize this as ERC 1155. So, um, thankfully it was quite a success. Um, you know, we have a lot of marketplaces now around the world. Most of them support ERC 1155 just because it, it has some cool functionality that, you know, you can't do with ERC 721. You can build fungibles, non-fungibles. Um, you can build this kind of vending machine concept where you're not deploying a new smart contract every time you need to make a different token type. And you can build rules around your whole ecosystem of tokens. So things like transfer fees or royalties or freezing or whatever kind of logic you want can, can function in your whole game or ecosystem of tokens. Um, and we had some cool little technological improvements you know, that we made, like batch transfers. You know, Somebody wants to send 100 tokens at once, they can't, right? So it was a, it was a, it was an interesting um, addition, and we we looked at all the other non fungible ideas kind of floating around at the time, and uh, you know it, it was it went quite well. So I mean I'm, I'm glad to have made a bit of an impact in the space. We had we had a we had a guy on the show who uh, has a cool NFT project called Bad Bears, and there's a an ERC twenty token, and then a seven twenty one NFT five thousand five hundred and fifty five of them. So what I'm trying to understand is, and there's a relationship between the two of them, as, as most of these NFT projects have. What I want to know is, what would be the difference if that whole ecosystem was built using 1155, ERC 1155? And then why should all projects, like in the future, because they're all going to be wet, they're all going to be metaverse gaming, they're all going to have, all of these communities are going to have media attached to them. They're going to have games attached to them they're going to have clothing and merchandise they're going to have huge parties restaurants i mean nation states are going to exist around these things i'm serious like debt like cities we're seeing it with with city coins now but that is the future everyone who listens to the show knows that 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 is what's coming so 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 why can't so uh yeah 1155 well i mean honestly if you're going to use erc20 um you know the 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 benefit of that is you have 
you know, ubiquitous support in every wallet, every exchange there. If you want to make like an ICO, you know, that, that you have a, a whole whole ton of businesses and platforms out there that will let you do that. If you want 721, you know, you're 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 limited to making non-fungible tokens and you don't really have any method of like grouping them properly inside a contract, but you can make those non-fungible tokens and make you know your, your rare art pieces. But with 1155, um, the, the, what you can do is you can you can build like different categories of tokens. You can have uh, limits on different categories of tokens. So let's say you want to make a hundred limited uh, editions of like a digital comic book or digital playing card, but then you want a new card type or you want accessories. Um, you can you can have all that logic in that one smart contract, and your users on Ethereum or Polygon or BSC or wherever they're they're using these these tokens, they don't need to start approving and doing all this this difficult kind of friction between yeah. all the different contracts they there's can so do it friction. all within one smart contract there's so much friction still and that's a really interesting thing and i think uh does this type of standard exist across other blockchains like polygon polka dot cardano well so i i like you know we talked with some of the teams and you know binance the smart chain really just just yeah. took 1155 ported it over there so you can move those tokens. But uh, what we're working on for uh, Polkadot, we're, we're working on a new parachain. We, we got a parachain slot, number six. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it was, it was a quite deal. a fight. It was, it, the, the Polkadot ecosystem is crazy. I don't, I don't know if, if yeah. you haven't seen what's going on there. But crazy um, you know, good. I, I'm a big fan of the project and, and the future. And they're founded by, you know, Polkadot, Cardano, Casper, and one other one were founded by the former founders of Ethereum, you know? So, I mean, I just kind of love that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing how many how many big brains were in the Ethereum space and they just all yeah. offshooted and, and made all this stuff. But yeah, Polkadot is this, is this concept of modularizing everything. So you want to build your own blockchain? Well, we have, you know, 50 modules to, to build your own blockchain and you can build your own modules on top of that and, and bring your own innovation to it. So you don't have to start from scratch or you don't have to go fork Ethereum to do it, right? Um, so what, what we're doing for Polkadot is we're, we're tapping into this idea of interconnected blockchains. I mean, Polkadot in itself is an internet of parachains, these little blockchains that have all the security of Polkadot, but then they have their own unique value proposition per parachain. Uh, and we want to create a token standard that will let people move tokens seamlessly across every parachain, be able to mint fungibles and non-fungibles and do all that cool, fun stuff you can do with NFTs and, and stuff that people aren't even doing yet um, easily without, without having to worry. Like you want to send, you know, a million tokens over to Akala, you know, go ahead, do that. You can do that in, in a very simple That's transaction so cool. instead of, you know, all this friction difficulty stuff that, that exists currently with bridges on Ethereum and all this stuff. And then beyond that, you know, we want to, we want to connect Polkadot with all other blockchains. So build those easy bridges into everything and then connect that with our wallet and everything. So we're working on a token standard. Uh, we've put out a, an initial version, but we're, we're going to making some major updates to it. Uh, we're, we, we initially called it pair token standard. We may change that soon, but um, essentially the concepts are how to make this super interoperable, how to make it super easy to use. And what can we add? What can we add to, to this, this token standard to make it work with the entire metaverse that's coming over the next five, 10 years. Like how do we create a, a standard that, you know, people using, you know, any kind of portion of the metaverse you know, on any blockchain or even in the centralized world will be able to, you know, bring their identity, bring their assets around and, and, and have that security of them, but, but know that they're interoperable. 
You uh, you said like a key word there. You said assets. Most people look at NFTs as just art, but really they are assets. And we're going to talk about that in a second. I want to understand play to earn as well, because GameFi, I think, will be like really big. It has been in the last year, but even bigger in the next year or two. Um, but I want to give a special shout out to a few countries. Uh, of course, the U.S., U.K., Canada. You guys have had me in your top charts this this past uh, week or two. Thank you so much. But uh, Israel, Austria, Fiji. You guys had me as like your number one podcast last week. Thank you. Appreciate Macedonia. Some of you other countries. I just want to give a, a special shout out because I really, Spain, Russia, Russia has been keeping me in their top charts. Portugal, thank you guys. Iceland, man, I'm, I'm coming back there. I know you guys are listening. I'll be back there too. And also, I got two, we got two five-star reviews this week too. So thank you to Marianne and Rex Pop because your reviews feed my family. So thank you so much. And very excited. So, so you guys, uh, listeners, you guys have been following my wife's career. Super excited. She's going to be in another movie that's going to be shooting in Scotland next week. So we are taking Untold Stories over to Edinburgh. We're going to be in Scotland. I'm going to be doing episodes out there. I may head over to Peter McCormick's What Bitcoin Did podcast, but he bought a, he bought a, a soccer team out there or football to the rest of the world. And he's going to be, and he, and he invited me over to a match. So I may go do that, visit some other friends. So I'm really excited. Thank you guys for listening. Um, yeah, I just love, I love the listeners. I mean, I love everyone. All right. So play to earn has been getting a huge amount of flack in the press lately because uh, it's believed that it just won't work. Like the concept of rewarding users for not just like playing a game, but even in depth of that, like you know, uh, 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 transferring that from game to game, metaverse to metaverse, but that identity built in rewarding, you know, have ad potential ad tracking, things like that. They say that it's just going to be gamified by bots. Are, are they wrong? Or do you think this can work? Well, this, this is a, this is going to be a big conversation because I think this whole drama around NFTs, gaming, play to earn is, I think a symptom of sort of, I hate to say it, but kind of lack of imagination or the, the different difference between looking at what's here now and what the potential is of the technology. And so people look at, you know, the early attempts of, let's say, AAA games to, you know, to, to use NFTs. And, you know, they go for the low hanging fruit, like, oh, we're going to, you know, sell some NFTs and see how that goes. And then everyone goes, throws a huge fit. It's like, oh my God, you're going to destroy gaming. Um, everything's going to be nickel and dimed now, you know, our favorite yeah. games are going to be all ruined, right? But I think that's that's actually just like a, a hardcore section of the gaming population that, you know, very afraid of losing that sort of gaming, uh, AAA gaming stuff that's happening. Vested interests. Uh, yeah, but but honestly, look, there is room for everything, every idea in this space. That I mean, gaming is an entertainment medium. You will have, you know, pure Axie Infinity, like play to earn crazy, you know, uh, games that just, just fuel themselves on that, but then you're going to have new ideas come. And we, we talk to a lot of gaming companies. We talk to a lot of indie developers that have, you know, really crazy ideas. And then we have, you know, triple A's. We're talking with multiple triple A's that want to do this in a responsible way. And they've seen what gamers have said, right? Like a company makes a, makes an announcement. Oh, we're going to do NFTs and everyone freaks out. Um, so like, how can we do this in a way that's not going to freak out our audience? And like, how can we do this in a way that maybe, you know, will 
create an interesting NFT strategy, bring some new forms of gameplay into our game. So, you know, the, the game developers and publishers, they're thinking about this. Now, it depends, you know, every company is different, right? So some people just want to do, you know, sell a few million dollars of NFTs, make some quick money, get people some skins. Um, that's like what some... they all want to do, by the way. Like every company, a lot of these companies that come across my desk, that's like, I first thing I think cash grab. Well, look, gaming, game development is incredibly hard. And uh, you look at how many games are being created. And even like just the AAA or like the quality graphics versions of the games, it's like a small slice. Because like, I think there's like a million new games being created every year. Um, oh, wow. Now the small slice that are like, high quality looking games and then only a tiny tiny fraction of those turn out to be like fun and enjoyable and you know outstanding you know what feedback on steam or whatever um so it's really hard to make a game it takes so much money so much resources and a special type of mindset you know to create fun addictive emotional experiences inside a game now you can't just take any team and say well we're just gonna you know throw crypto together throw some graphics on there make a game um you know Crypto crowd are going to make crypto money earning kind of tokenomics focused games because that's what they know. And I think that's, those are going to attract those audiences. I personally, I, you know, I've played some of the games. I've, I've, I've jumped into them, you know, bought an NFT, traded it, whatever. They're, they're okay, but I'm not going to be doing that as like my, my fun, you know, kick back on the couch and play Axie Infinity is not really my cup of tea personally. Um, there's people who do that. I think they're more kind of like a trader or you know they're literally working working to to make their money in like a game like that but I, that is just a small microcosm of what's possible in gaming i think this technology gives you some fundamental things that you have never existed before like just the fact of owning your own items and owning your identity i mean people don't people actually don't realize you know how critical that will be to the next decades of where humanity goes and i think having that Power and then having all these on-chain deterministic things like you being able to you know sign NFTs or put metadata on chain or uh, you know have a history of what happens with NFTs or collaborating with other people who have NFTs. What does this do? Well, think about it. You have you, you have your consciousness, your identity in the physical world, but you're interacting with a um, this universe of people uh, on the internet that's growing. The, this metaverse of products and, and, and games and experiences and VR experiences and social networks. You're interacting with these, these places. But what's happening with technology? Uh, we have bots. We have uh, GPT-3. We have, you know, deepfake. We have uh, people that are just farms of people doing stuff inside these, these worlds, just farming things. What is important? You, you, like, what are you going to be doing? You're, you're spending your time in these universes. You're spending your time on this, in this huge digital world. You, you need some concept of your identity. You need some concept of your ownership because what else matters? Otherwise, you're just going to be competing with bots for everything, right? People spend decades trying to learn their purpose, trying to achieve their identity, trying to figure things out. And a lot of times small little things in life like add up and build up to who we are today and so kind of the way we we used to say as kids was things would be online is that what you're saying is that we're just gonna like everything's gonna be on chain i think it's gonna be necessary because like again um you 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 need some concept of, of like th this is the scary part of this world everything is becoming 
disposable and everything is becoming easier and easier to create. I mean, back then, you know, making flash intros, we were talking about, you know, you still had to put like hundreds of hours into the flash and like, you know, take put a lot of energy into it. Yeah. I used to make flash intros. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. I made some flash intros. I probably still have them somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I have them on a CD, which is probably going to lose its bits soon because it's so old. But um, yeah, like, you know, music, music, you know, you, you, people used to have to like chop up drum loops. And like, I was, I was reading an article by like Fotech who, who was like an early DNB producer. And he would like, you know, painstakingly make this music. He would spend a year making an album and people would release an album. It's like, Oh my God, this is like mind blowing. This changed the music scene. But today, like people don't care. Like music has changed. It's like disposable. Like people are just releasing tracks, like millions of tracks, you know, nonstop. And everyone's, everyone's a creator. It's, It's really easy to make something. But, but that's actually quite high quality. If you want to make you know, you want to make a you know a drawing, you can just like get a bot to do it for you now. You know, it's like um, sure you know you won't get amazing results still, but there's the, that's it's going that way where anyone can easily create. I mean, everyone has a Wacom tablet inside their iPad now as as an artist, and you know before sure. it was limited. It was like oh, you have a Wacom tablet like 10 years ago? Oh my God, like that's expensive, right? Or that's like, you know, it's, it's, it's really rare. So everyone had to, had to put a lot more energy in and then your creation was worth so much because the community would see that. You know, you'd get that dopamine rush, you know, oh, I'm, I've created something in the world. But now it's, it's, you know, everyone's a creator and everyone's putting out content. And, you know, again, like what is, what is blockchain bringing to this? What, is NF- what are NFTs bringing? You have this identity on chain you can collect your your assets, your time in this digital world. You can build something on that digital identity, and I think that's going to be crucial because of this ever expanding network that that makes you feel like you're lost. It's so true, and I don't like feeling lost. It's good to kind of bring it all back together and being able to kind of. It seems like this idea is is the next level. You've you've built in all of these these things that allow for a, a much smarter identity or token or digital identity, if you will. Um, you have, so let's talk about Affinity, which is one of your projects. Uh, explain Engine Coin and how it's basically built into the NFT itself, which provides them some reserve value. Well, yeah, so we, we came to this concept in 2017 where, you know, we, we realized everyone's just gonna be creating infinite NFTs. Um, and what can we do to kind of bring this network effect around the NFTs and also, you know, provide some kind of value to them uh, initially. So like we said, okay, well, if somebody's making a new game, um, let's, let's build this concept where you can put engine coins inside every single NFT that's created. Now people buy into the game. They know that they have an NFT that has, let's say, back in the day, people were putting like 500 engine coin inside a thing that they sold for like, you know, 20 bucks. And now, you know, uh, if the game succeeds, amazing. You know, you 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 you're using your item. The NFT has utility and 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 all that. But if the if the game wasn't successful, you would still have this growing network effect uh, of of that of that engine coin token that you know is is spread across all these different games. So you can melt your item, and or you can just keep it and you know use it for its utility. So that was an interesting concept. It was the first of its kind uh, to put to put a. A token infused into an NFT. It's kind of like thinking, um, you know, you you buy a piece of jewelry that's made of gold. Well, you can melt it down for the gold. 
Uh, you yeah. have uh, any physical item in the world, you can you can you can have some other intrinsic value inside there instead of it's just it's you know. No, it's boring. actually a very human thing. Like when you value businesses, like you look at the hard assets. Like if the business yes. were to fail, what are the value of the assets? It's uh, what's the value of your land if your house burns down? It's kind of like a very human thing. So you're just putting that extra human attribute into that token. I like that. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of like you know ideas from like the gold standard, um, but that also met met. It really plays on Metcalf's law and and you know the network effect, and then you know we saw that with the early engine CMS just exploding, and and then this network effect of the engine coin ecosystem supporting this idea, but then letting the different projects, the different games, kind of battle it out, see how good they do. Some of them are going to be worse, some of them are going to be amazing, and then you know, but the whole ecosystem grows through that. And different projects bring different aspects. Different, some are really good at marketing. Some have amazing tokenomics. Some have amazing graphics. And they're all building that engine, engine ecosystem. So that, that was that idea. And, and it turned out pretty well. You have this, you have, let's just say you have thousands of different, I'm not even going to say games, but metaverses, games, even actually OpenSea has a great way of the, how they categorize NFTs. It's, it's a good, it's, I was, I was like, they actually have one category, utility. These are utility NFTs, you know, and these are art and they're fun and whatever. So you have all these different identities, we'll call them domains. Cause mm -hmm. that's what the, uh, the guy from unstoppable domains, Matt, he, he calls them domains, not identities or NFTs because they are. And domain implies, these are domains. You have millions of domains across millions of these different games, platforms, blockchains, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously it's like you come down to the cup of coffee situation. I'm not going to pay for a cup of coffee with, with Bitcoin because it's going to take, you know, to pay that whole block. Same thing with Ethereum. If you have all these different people playing all these different games, doing all these different things, the Ethereum blockchain is already dealing with scaling issues. How does this, how does the engine deal with kind of in real time but you don't need that value to be millions of dollars, right? So how do you guys deal with that? Well, yeah, this is something we knew from early days. I mean, we even though you know gas fees in the early days were like one way or sometimes even less, I think. It was nothing. Uh, we knew this Ethereum was, gonna, was free. This was, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was like yeah, pennies <laughs> yeah. to do something. Um, so, but we knew obviously, look, it's a limited, you know, blockchain's growing. We saw how big Bitcoin blockchain was while Ethereum now is, you know, growing massively. Um, and you know the amount of users that that go into one blockchain, they're always going to affect that 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 cost of using it because um, you know it's a limited resource. So uh, we started thinking about how to tackle this. We 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 initially spent like a whole year on state channels and, and layer two, and we realized, look, okay, we can build you know layer two, and that could have went really well, but we realized, look, we we need to tap into like an existing ecosystem and actually go a little further than just a layer two that lets you know trade thousands of items fast. So we investigated and we found Polkadot and we realized we have to build a parachain on Polkadot. It was, it was clear that um, we need a custom blockchain that is focused on NFTs and well, and all kind of gaming metaverse type of tokens um, and optimizes for those like low value, let's say $10 items being, being moved around those, you know, crafting inside games. Um, you know, even just literally picking up gems off the ground or, you know, shooting a, a missile in, in, in a game, which is literally an NFT that you spent some money on. Uh, but, but like, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, and how are we going to do that? Ethereum is just not going to work. I don't care if they're going to shard it 64 times or do whatever. Um, it's still going to cost too much. And it's the fundamental way 
Ethereum is built. It's a great breeding ground for different experiments and smart contracts. But by giving you all that flexibility, you lose performance and you have to have all these different security things tacked on, approvals and mistrust of every other smart contract. What we're doing with Affinity is we're building a core where you have these Lego bricks where you can you know, easily mint uh, any kind of NFT you want. Uh, it can have various policies on it that are pre-baked. So it makes them super fast, super efficient. You know, if you want to make a token that, you know, has a limited supply or has various transfer fees or has different different things, bottom curves, you can do that in a, in a very uh, like cheap and efficient way on Affinity, but then have the platform to build more around that. And we, we like philosophically, we actually want to move a lot of the logic to the client side instead of having it on chain. You can do a lot by signing things on the client side. And then when, when it's all signed by the appropriate parties, you know, you have like, we have this concept, for example, you have somebody who pays the gas. It doesn't have to be the guy who owns the pay token paying the gas. It can be the game developer paying the gas for the user because they know their valued customer. It can be their friend or some free gas bot or whatever paying the, paying the transaction cost for that transaction. Then you could have, um, you know, if you own a token and you want to do something with it, like uh, you want to craft it. Um, you might need the game developer to sign that you're allowed to craft an item in that game, right? So th there's th there's this kind of division of responsibilities around tokens where um, we want we want to have that pre-baked. We want to have that super fast and efficient, so you can do that for large scale applications with millions of users and take up like no space on the blockchain um, and you know, let it grow. Could a government launch a blockchain where, or someone launch a blockchain where like the tokens themselves are freely tradable, you know, like not, you know, censorship resistant completely, but the gas is like sanctioned or some, some sort of like where the gas is like released by the government or there's some sort of like, I don't know. There's, there's so many cool uh, war gaming ideas that no one does. Like why has no one ever done monopoly on the blockchain or risk for the games we played as kids or even create a nation state? Like a nation state mm -hmm. game where you can be born and kind of like accelerated school and earn an income and kind of like token economics, you know, kind of like do that. I don't know. There's so many things that no one's doing yet. It's still so if they have, have If they have, then they're probably, you know, they probably don't like there's there's various ideas being thrown around in, in blockchain gaming. A lot of the time they're not executed as well as they could be because mm -hmm. of, you know, lack of game development experience or whatever. Um, I've, I've seen honestly. Uh, yeah, I've been talking about this stuff for about five years now, I think, in the space. And uh, every like idea, you know, we've thrown out has turned into a startup. Like, you know, um, and and so like, you know, I'm sure somebody's doing some one one of yeah. these things. Like, you know, uh, esports or like a whole bunch of startups. You know, like there's like oh signatures by famous celebrities. I've tr I found just found out yesterday that was a startup and that was a whole blockchain project. Like. Um, so yeah, yeah, like the thing is we need to bring this to the mainstream in an easy, accessible way. And with Affinity, what we're trying to do is make it so frictionless that your dad can pick it up, go into, you know, some game and just like be able to, to experience it without having to ask you how to, what's this private key? What's this, yeah. uh, how do I get gas? You know, um, we're trying to make it super seamless. You, you, the, the vision here. You go into whatever experience it is, social network, a metaverse world, a game, and you don't, you don't even realize you're using blockchain. You have an identity that's created for you. You have assets that are being sent to your virtual identity. 
and then you can then take over that identity when you when you understand what it means. Um, and you don't even have to worry about gas. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff uh, because your presence there in that world is valuable for the world builders. So we want to make that easy to, to translate for, for the mainstream audience. Say that again. Just your mere presence itself is value. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, what, what do we care about? We care about human consciousness. Uh, we care about human experiences. We care about having our impact on the world. Um, and, you know, the world is increasingly digitized. Even people who reject, you know, metaverse, oh, this is sparky, this is not going to happen. They're still taking part of in the metaverse somehow. They're using Alexa or they're using, uh, you know, their stuff that they're buying is all digitally tracked. And so we're all going to be part of the metaverse. And we want to ensure that we can provide, you know, we can feel like we're valued by the world and we can provide our value. And we have some control over uh, our rights and, and our freedoms in, in the entire digital space. Because the world is, you know, obviously many different countries, many different philosophies, many different politics uh, all, all around the world. Uh, we have to, in the digital space, all those barriers are pretty much broken down. Um, and uh, let's, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Um, people can break past the, the firewall of China. They can break, break past anything. Yeah. They can participate in, in the general digital economy. These bans by governance, governments are not going to work. But we want a space where you can choose the blockchain you're part of because you believe in its laws, in its philosophy, in its code by law. Um, you believe in the network. You believe in whatever's happening on that blockchain. And you want to you wanna live in that space with those rules. And a lot of the blockchains, uh, you know, they give you the right to own your, own your identity, own your assets, own your crypto. Um, and, you know, people can't take it away. Some of them, you know, sure, somebody can take it away. Some of the, the currencies, you know, will actually be centralized and governments can, you know, maybe you want to live in that space. That's, that's perfectly fine. Uh, but we want people to You have may have that. no choice. Like you may, you, we're all going to live in nation states. So you, you may have to, and that, that will be okay. Like governments will be comfortable with like state, state currencies. And then you'll have like, you know, global non-state currencies and the state ones will compete and they'll, they'll be a value to keeping your money. Who knows what the future is going to bring? But, well, it's, it's, it's a yeah. change of society, honestly. Like, it's, it's a society-changing uh, world. Like, I think we're, we're in this weird space right now where we're all experiencing this, like, no one knows what's real. No one knows what information is real. Is the government lying to you? Are the vaccines safe? Are they not safe? Like, uh, are, is there Russian propaganda? Or is there, like, you know, what's happening? Uh, there's so much chaos, right? Um, yeah. At least blockchain gives you some pretty damn secure you know knowledge that you own those those you own the bitcoin you own the nft uh my identity if i'm talking to your your you know ens address it is you for sure for real you have that stability there and so you know i think that's really powerful in this i world. agree the uh a lot of folks call it the fourth turning that started about a hundred years ago but i think it's bigger than that i think that humanity goes through the goes through the, you know, we have internal clocks. We've we've created calendars, lunar, solar, mm. uh, uh, Christian calendars. We have different religions have their different calendars. But I believe that every like thousand, you know, in the modern day version of the year, because time is relative, and how we calculated time years ago is very different than how we calculate time. Time is very relative. Like, let's remember that. Um, but like, let's just say we look at the thousand year mark. Every thousand years or so. Humanity goes through this like epic change, this like push mm. forward where we believe we're going to like 
die. We're not going to survive. Like there's this belief now there's like a survival, like with pandemics, but it started, I would say started in the year like 2000, uh, in the past 20 years or so, it's been really, really intense. But that feeling like you're talking about, uh, look back at the year 1000 everywhere, all over the world, humanity was going through epic changes. Like in Europe, before the year 1000, we couldn't even build with stone. Any, like we were building thatched and wood roof. Like we couldn't even build stone houses, archways. We couldn't build them. But something changed over the next 500 years. So we're going well, through. Let's just, let's just talk about pandemics back then. Like they lost. Oh, yeah. 1918, years. 100 years ago. Yeah. The, and, and, and well, and, and even before that, like all those, those pandemics lasted like, I don't know, was it like the Black Death or some of those that were lasted for like 100 plus years? It was like, whoa, that, that was a rough time to live in. So this is that time. And uh, thank you for t- for coming today on the show and, and bringing us through the journey. Um, it's really exciting, really scary. But at the same time, it uh, we're going to make a lot of money from it. And we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. So Vitek Radomsky, Engine, ERC, 1155, so many different. Thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It feels like we could talk forever. I, I really know. appreciate it. It was, it was really fun. I'll see you later. Thanks.